0: One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is one God who is Father of all. Is... This is the Holy Family Chapel Hill Podcast, where you will find our weekly sermons as well as the occasional reflection, conversation, or interview. We are glad you are here, welcome. Hear us, O Lord, and come, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Here, just a week into the liturgical year, the evangelist jumps in by telling us the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ with the appearance of John the Baptist, In the Gospel of Mark, there is no lead-up to the story of John wearing camel hair and eating honey and locusts in the wilderness. He is untamed and wild at the outset, and he comes from nowhere. The development of the characters surrounding him like we receive in the Gospel of Luke aren't there. No Zachariah and Elizabeth, no meeting between Mary and Elizabeth, no back and forth between characters establishing context. He's just there, and he's on a mission. The Gospel of Mark, in its characteristically expedient way, jumps right into the middle of the action. The evangelist ensures that we understand what we are to think of John by quoting Isaiah, see, I am sending a messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. This reference locates John the Baptist within the larger story of redemption and salvation for God's people, the people of Israel, and in its waiting for Elijah, who was to announce the coming of the Messiah. We are meant from the outset of this gospel to see the proclamation of hope in the midst of exile and occupation and John is a forerunner, a messenger for the one who is to come, alerting all within earshot of the work that God is about to do. If the past few weeks have been marked by the gathering apocalyptic storm, and Sarah's contention that Advent begins in the dark, then this week continues in that tradition. This time, the texts are marked by wilderness and exile, a sense of danger and loss, the need to resolve and undo alienation and exile, and the abrupt interruption of that in the proclamation of God's doing a new thing. The wilderness is the wild and untamed, the in-between, the liminal. It is a landscape that is at once dangerous and where God so often meets God's people. And it is in this desert wilderness, this difficult place, that the hope of God begins to dawn and break in. This makes John a great character for Advent, because he embodies the people of Israel and testifies to their hopes for a Messiah as they wait in exile and under occupation, and he is the embodiment of the Christian community today. The Gospel of Mark takes this a step further because in referencing Isaiah, the longer text, which we also read today, it creates overlaying events and images that function in relationship to one another, illuminating each. The people of Israel in exile in Isaiah hear the proclamation of a new thing, God making a way for the people out of exile through the desert wilderness. John the Baptist appearing and proclaiming, inviting people into a baptism of confession and repentance, and announcing something greater. And us, here and now, in the season of Advent, waiting and holding out hope that all will be well, but beginning in a dark wilderness that seems to grow deeper and darker all of the time. I confess that reading this story from the Gospel of Mark and reading the longer text from the prophet Isaiah that it references is a bit jarring to me right now. I think some people may find these texts surprising because they are unexpected in a world marked by Advent practices that include glowing light and beautiful wreaths and shopping for Christmas— in a society that's marked ever more deeply year after year by an intensified drive for consumption for more and more. And because we tend to think about term Advent in terms purely of waiting for the infant Christ. And I do believe that the infant Christ is good news, sudden news, incredible news from God. It has the linchpin of history, no doubt, but I find these texts jarring for a different reason. In the midst of wars and rumors of wars, the attempt to open a safe passage and a highway through Jaffa, the beginning and rapid end to tenuous ceasefires, the description of a highway in the desert and the hope for rough places to be made level, it feels a bit too on the nose these texts seem to read us too well. While we often think metaphorically about all of these images, a way where there is no way, a highway in the desert, we are surrounded right now by images that I only wish were metaphors. There is an image circulating which you may have seen over this past week. The Lutheran Church of Bethlehem in the West Bank set up a nativity And in it, a life-sized baby Jesus figure is placed amidst a pile of rubble. The olive wood animals surrounding the figure are partially obscured, and a white pillar candle is placed above the scene and flickers against the plastic face of the Christ child. And I cannot help but hear the words of the prophet Isaiah echoing over this image, every Valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall be made level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This image stands in judgment against the state of the world as it is. It discloses something about the world as it actually is. It enables us to see what is often hidden, the power of death at work. It says the quiet part aloud. And in doing so, it is an indictment on war and violence and all that seeks to destroy the creatures of God. In this image, we come under judgment, made suddenly aware of the reality of our own brokenness and sin and the way our lives participate in the world that makes this reality possible, the way that sin entangles and grows and invades, catching us up in a project in which we do not want to participate. It grieves the soul. But what makes this image more powerful is the way pain and indictment and grief and disaster are held alongside the promise of God, the way that the promise breaks in, the promise of God to come in the midst of rubble and destruction, to be God with us and God for us, to free God's people from exile and wilderness and from sin and from death and to restore them, and at the very last, to intervene finally to end the cosmic battle that rages. This is the seed of hope we find in the prophet Isaiah and in John's proclamation of the one who is to come. And this is the seed of our hope too, as we wait and ask for the wrongs of the world to be made right in our Savior Jesus Christ who has already come to us. And as we we repent and confess of our involvement and complicity, our sin and error, and it is healed by God. Advent is an invitation to look around at the world and to see it truthfully, overrun as it is by violence and destruction, to take an inventory of the darkness, to remove the rose-colored glasses and the wine goggles and the tinsel and light-covered tree emanating from the corner of our living rooms, the gloss on the catalog that tries to assure us that it's all going to be okay. Advent is to find the world revealed and to hear the promise of God. Prepare the way of the Lord, for he is coming. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find out more about the Church of the Holy Family at holyfamilychapelhill.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. Peace be with you.